Welcome back to the Girls Talk Ag podcast, plowing through the manure online. Um, there's been a lot of recent discussion here these last couple weeks about what's going on weather-wise. Uh, it seems as though Mother Nature is uh, basically off her meds, y'all. So it's a little scary here for some folks who especially are seeing their crops underwater, and it's confusing um, for you know market analysts or or traders or or anyone of that nature who's looking at this thing and trying to figure out what exactly it means because we really haven't seen in quite some time whether this wet um this early um and stretching into this point in the spring so it's it's a little confusing and and there's a lot of questions about what it means with only 34% of the corn crop planted, you know, much of that being planted uh, last week. So luckily we have our, our resident agronomic expert here, uh, Karen Corrigan, to share with us her deep insight. And uh, we have Jen Campbell here, farmer extraordinaire, uh, to tell us what's going on in, in her world too. So say hi, you guys. Hello. Yeah, farmer extraordinaire here. I love it. She is. She is. And I'm only an expert for those of you who are 50 miles away from my home office. So that's probably where I'm an extraordinaire farmer away from. Well, and you're an expert to anyone you're buying pizza for, too. True that. I found that that anytime you're you're buying lunch, people tend to give you a little bit more um, leniency on the conversation. Yeah, they're like, "What do you have to say? Keep it under 15 minutes or less while I eat this sandwich." So. So, yeah, I mean, looking at the the weather maps here um, of what we've seen over the last two weeks of precipitation, it's it's pretty easy to see um, why there's some some pretty big concern. Um, You know, parts of Arkansas have seen upwards of 15 inches of rain. There is extreme flooding being reported in Missouri, Illinois, Indiana, Ohio, Um, you know, out here in, in Iowa. We've been wet. Uh, Michigan remains wet. You know, basically, I don't see many people turning a wheel uh, in Michigan this week or next. Do you guys in the Eastern Belt at all? Uh, we don't. Um, we uh, we did plant up until the day the rain came, and then we're out now. Could have been back in probably today's, what, Thursday that we're recording could have been back in by Monday, maybe a little sooner, but got a rain again last night and um, more coming in this weekend. So, no, we're out for a while. How much do you guys get planted before you got booted by Mother Nature? Um, we got 750 acres of corn planted and a couple hundred acres of beans. Okay. Um, we planted up until the rain came in. We planted last Friday and... Um, really good conditions. I mean, it was just kind of hard to pass it up. Um, can't replant if you don't plant first and, uh, went in the ground perfectly and, and, um, looked nice. We did not get, it kind of skirted North of Indianapolis. Um, so I know a lot of people were hit so much harder than we were. Um, most of the ponding on the fields were gone by yesterday. How much did you guys get last night? Well, uh, Chris said uh, an inch, I think, maybe right under an inch. I'm actually in Iowa, Angie, and uh, helping Hi. Casey pack up for the summer. I know. This is probably I the closest we've close. been in years. I know. I should drive down and say hi. I would love to. Um, Karen, what are you seeing? Um, we, it, tell everyone kind of where you're at. Because, Jen, you're you're near Indianapolis, right, oh. in that area? Yeah, I'm within 
I'm 20 minutes from downtown Indianapolis, south of downtown Indianapolis. Okay, Karen, where are you located in Illinois, and what does it look like in your neck of the woods? I'm in central Illinois between Peoria and Bloomington. Um, I saw two ducks taking up residence on a ponded field this morning on my way back from preschool. So, <laughs> Well, I guess right. that tells us all we need. How much Here. rain have you guys seen? We haven't gotten as much here. Um, we were probably right around the three inch mark over this last system, but um, it, like Jen said, it kind of skirted, but it skirted kind of east of 55 and south of Interstate 74 is kind of where at least the worst parts in Illinois are. So I know Champaign has had some pretty massive rains, as has parts down by Jacksonville and Springfield and farther south um, in Illinois. So what we've are been actually here? fortunate here. Have you with three inches and in the first week in May? That's but it wasn't how, are you three hearing? inches. It wasn't three inches all at once. It was a pretty steady rain, which is a lot oh, easier okay. to take than a flash flood. So, okay, that makes perfect sense. What are you hearing from your customers? Uh, it kind of depends on where they were. Um, some had started, some haven't. Um, there's some that are going to be looking at replants, but. Like Jen said, you know, if the conditions are good, it, that's hard to pass up when it's late April, beginning of May. So in some certain fields, you kind of have to plant when you can and not when you have to. So it's kind of, you know, you say, oh, it's only April. Let's, uh, you know, let's plant some, hold off a little. And then you hit, you know, April 29th and then you hit May 1st and you're like, oh, shit, it's May 1st. It's kind of weird. Yeah, and I mean, it's not late yet, but, you know, if you haven't started, um, you know, it's not going to, it's not like it's going to give you like a, an entire time to plan. I mean, we'll probably have some more rain events in here in between. So it could take till the end of the month to get most of the stuff planted in the areas. Last year, we started uh, beans and corn on April 24th, I think, and uh, planted two days and then we're out for a month in Indiana. Or, well, there is a we lot of... There was a lot that was planned at the end of May last year, too. Yeah. So. so, you know, I think it changes every year anyway. There is no, you know, timeline, so to speak, right. that you can follow. And there's always a couple days here and there where the, where the absolute worst days to plant. But unfortunately, we won't figure those out for another month and a half or so. But That's last right. year, the worst time to plant was Mother's Day weekend. And that was mid-May. So, right. You never know. Yeah. Yeah, we were we were rained out then anyway. So, but yeah, hindsight's twenty twenty. Mm -hmm. Well, and that's why I was wondering. You know, you have the conversation on to plant or not to plant, and there was a little bit of a, a kerfuffle, you could say, with, with some um, in the business who may not necessarily have the the background um, to make that call, saying to stay, you know, out of the fields or not to not plant or whatever. And and so, you know, that's what I was wondering, Karen, with you is is you know, there were a lot of guys who were trying to decide whether to begin planting or not, or to park, you know, what factors did guys consider and, and, you know, what do you think they should have? And like you said, I mean, we know, we won't know whether it was the right decision or not for quite some time, but what goes into making that decision? Well, one of the factors you have to consider is how many acres do you have to cover? Obviously, those farmers who have larger amount of acres are going to have to take the risk and start earlier than everyone else. Um, just to get started. So how many acres you have to cover has a lot to do with it, um, depending on where you're at, what your crop insurance says. You know, in, in a lot of cases, well, here, I mean, in central Illinois, I think we're at like April 8th or April 15th or so. 
you know, we can't plant before that time period. So even though we had nicer conditions earlier, it wouldn't have been covered through this period that we've just had here. So um, so that's something else you need to take into consideration. And like I said a couple of minutes ago, plant when you can and not when you have to. There are a lot of fields that have poor drainage. And they once they tend to get wet, they stay wet. So if they're dry at any time that's even remotely close to when they could be planted, um, you generally have to go on some of those fields just to make sure they get done. Because once they get wet, you may never get back in them again. So the other thing, you know, I'm always for the um, strategy to spread your risk, you know, get some in and, you know, before the storm comes in and then put some in after. And then that way, you know, you don't have all your eggs in one basket. No, but you've also then are a little bit ahead of the game. If you have to replant, you, you do have that time. So to right. Speak. And, and like Janet said, you know, we were looking at the end of April, which is pretty much go time for a lot of people, you know, had this been, you know, the first week or two in April, then no, a lot more people would have waited. Yeah. Well, I, I know, agree. I know being out here in Iowa these last couple of years, um, we've seen substantial planting pace, you know, and, and I, I looked back to like 2015 just because I was interested to see, um, you know, that was kind of the last wet year I would say we had, but the, the, the rainfall really started much later in the month of May. And so on May 4th, 2015, the crop was already 55% planted nationally. As of last Monday, it was 34%. Um, well, one of know, the differences between those two years, though, is this year it's cold and wet. Yes. And then 2015, it was warm and wet. I, and I was going to ask you that because you could see it in 2015 um, with emergence. Emergence was 30% by this time next week, by May 11th. So what are you, you know, what are you seeing with the specific weather conditions that are out there, the cold soils, you know, what are you, what do you imagine for these places that have planted, you know, seen three inches of rain and, and are, you know, their corn sitting in, corn seeds sitting in, you know, 40, 45, 50 degree temperature soils here. Is that a concern? Well, I mean, when you plant, you're supposed to plant at 50 degrees. So the test is supposed to be if you can sit um, bare bottom for five minutes in your field and be comfortable, then the seeds can too. And, I'd like um, I'd like Twitter. Well, maybe I wouldn't. Never mind. Then <laughs> um, uh, you don't have to worry. Steve Pitstick posted a picture of him testing it out. So you can check his timeline for that. So. Oh, well, there you go. Okay. Maybe uh, I will. Maybe I won't. Okay, right, I will. Be right back. I, I got to go check Steve's yeah. timeline. So. <laughs> but the difference was this year, you know, we hit 50 degrees and then we dropped and we kind of went back and forth quite a bit. And that can that can confuse some seedlings. Um if they don't know which, you know, if they start going towards the heat and then it ends up getting cold on top of the ground, they can corkscrew back to the bottom because it's warmer, you know, underneath them. So that can cause some issues. Um, you know, anytime you want, you, you want to plant and you want your plants to emerge as fast as they can and start growing. And that's just not where we're at right now. Um, a lot of them have germinated that have been planted, but, you know, they haven't broke, um, broke through the top of the ground and it's been two, three weeks for some of the stuff that's been planted, which, I mean, you really wanted to come out of the ground as fast as it can. It's, I uh, was talking with a farmer here in Northern Iowa yesterday and he planted the field out around our house here um, 10 days ago, 12 days ago, I believe it was Monday, last Monday. Um, and, uh, he said he checked and I said, how does it look? He said exactly like it looked, 
when it came out of the bag, except for a lot dirtier <laughs> and a little soggy. You know, he said it, it wasn't germinating at all. Now, we are supposed to get some heat units, so... You know, does that help? Can you turn around a, a seed that's been sitting in the bed, you know, sitting in the, the field for two weeks without any sort of activity? Can can the heat units coming in? I mean, what? how does that work? Do you, do you have to have an exceptional amount to get caught up or does it not matter? Well, you can fix a lot of things with sun and heat, but um, it kind of depends on how much water it had, it had taken in. And um, I mean, if it was a completely dry seed, just like it was in the bag, then it was just sitting in the soil. It's probably fine, but most of the time they take up a little bit of water, and and if they're soggy, that could mean that they're rotting. So he's just gonna have to watch it and kind of monitor what happens. Now, how long does it take before you figure that out? Do you wait until you start to see a stand, or no? Well, right now it's too cold to make a decision. Yeah, um, and that's one thing to keep in mind. You know, don't be making decisions if you can't actually do it today. You know, good point. Very so, can, make de- um, so make decisions when you can actually work. Is that what you're right, saying? Right. Right. So don't make a decision to replant if it's not going to dry out for three weeks and you, you know. Right. I mean, you can check on seed and you can be prepared to have to replant, but, you know, don't go full force and make decisions until you actually can do something. So that's one of the, because you just never know what might happen, so... Now, for us, we're not underwater, but for a lot of guys out there, they are. So what does that mean? You know, because we were, were only a, a small percentage, I think less than or around 10% emerged um, Monday. Um, and and I mean, of course, that's, that's probably going to grow. I know we drove from northern Iowa to, to northern Missouri on Monday and only saw one field of corn that we could row. Um, and so that was somewhat surprising with the pace that we had seen. So, I mean, what does that mean? You know, if your seeds underwater, like you said, if, if your seeds underwater, if there's flooding that's taking place in the field, what if it's, I mean, tell us what that means for seed in the field or newly emerged plants or, you know, what's the risk there, I guess. Well, it really kind of depends on the size of the plant and where they're at. Um, the one good thing with the flooding right now is that we're cold. And so being cold, and flooded is better than being warm and flooded, as far as the plants are concerned. So Say that again, Karen. Say the that plants again, can last longer in cold flood than they can in warm. Interesting. I, so I, the cold will buy you a couple more days. I mean, it's not going to buy you a lot, but it, the plants can last longer in the cooler flood than they can in, be, in a warm one. Is that because it's inhibiting their growth? I mean, it's it's yeah. not just underwater, but it's slowing It's, it's slowing slow that. growth, right. right. So basically what the flood does is it limits the oxygen in the soil. So the plant um, can't breathe and can't take up um, nutrients and, and whatnot because it can't really function. And so when it's cold, it's just kind of on ice, and then that gives you a couple more days. But it's it's kind of shutting down. It's 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 slowing right. down its system. In the areas where it was flooded, you know, where the soil and plants were actually washed away, I mean, that is obviously going to have to be replanted. But depending on how quickly the floods came off, there may be some stands that, you know, have minimal damage. So it's funny because the cold weather inhibits germination, but it also helps protect the plant. Correct. Which you want it to somewhat, if it's going to be cold and wet, you, you're you wanting it to inhibit that germination. Right. right. So if it was warmer and wetter, it kind of, I don't know, sort of cooks it a little bit, you know, Yeah. as opposed to um, 
Well, it's trying down, to do so. its job, so it's it's using right. up more energy, which then it can't get energy because the oxygen to do the energy because it's underwater. Right, it can't transpire and it can't do right. you know all the things it can't you know do photosynthesis and all the things that it needs to do. So. One of the funniest texts I got in the last week or so was, um, it was some pretty tall corn. It was about V2, and it, I think it came out of southern Indiana, and it was all laid up on top of the ground, and you could see the seed and the roots um, were exposed, and the farmer said he thought he was in a lot of trouble because his corn tried to swim, so. <laughs> That's cute. What does that mean for that plant, though? Like, that... Oh, once it it's... Gone? I mean, it... Yeah, because it was washed up and, and its roots were all exposed on the top of the ground. So unless he was going to go back and re-hand plant those, he was he's going to have to replant. And, and I don't I mean, that was just one portion of the field. I don't know how bad the entire field was. Yeah. And that's what you've got to wait for then on the decision to replant is whether you're going to spot spot plant spot replant. Right. Or go right. Whether it was thing. just in the ponded areas or if the entire stand for the field was um you know, below a level that you'd want to keep. So how do you decide that? A lot of it depends on the type of soil. It depends on the date when you can get back in. I mean, you have to decide whether or not the crop you keep, you know, how much you're going to lose based on what's happened already versus the time of year it is. And if you replanted, you know, what yield hit you'd take for the later date and replanting. So there's a lot of factors involved in whether or not to decide to, to keep a stand or not. So well, I know like in soybeans, in our, our non-GMO program, the gal I worked with would always take a soy, uh, hula hoop out, like in early June. Yep. You do that? Is that we fun? used to do yeah. the hula hoop. Yeah, there are. there's a um, soybean stand calculator that's a lot easier from the University of Wisconsin Extension that you can look up. But it's um, that not doesn't as, involve a hoop. <laughs> that's not as fun, Karen. Come on. Jesus, you're, you're like where fun goes to die. Let's get a hula well, hoop out and play. My four-year-old stole the hula hoop that I used to do that with. So. Yeah, that I happened was, to Chris all the time. Somebody really steals his hula hoop. I always thought it was funny. I was like, what the hell do you have a hula hoop for? I don't understand. And she explained it to me, and I thought that was pretty cool. So, um, yeah, what the, about the girls would be like, The girls would be like, Dad bought us a hula hoop. I'm like, no, go put that in the back of his truck. That's yeah, not go yours. Go put that away. That's not his. a surprise. Yeah. Um, what does it mean for, like, I've seen a lot of guys putting in hydras and stuff on. That doesn't, does that matter? Does that move? Does it, what is it, what goes into it? Well, up it? in your area, I mean, this, yeah, well, you're in a drier area, so. Yeah, we're um, not. The fate of the nitrogen with significant rains is going to be questionable this year. Um, at this point, we don't really know. If the nitrogen was in the nitrate form, it's going to move through the soil profile as the, as the water moves. And so it depends on how far it leached, um, whether or not it can, it pushes it out of the zone where the roots can access it and. I mean, eventually they could probably access it, but um, depending on how much you had initially, they may be short um, up front if they don't have any right around the seed area. So is that why everyone is that why everyone was all in love of the Y drops in 2015? Then am I allowed to say that on this podcast? Because you remember you heard all about say it. anything you want, like that's <laughs> right? It's whatever I do what I want, but. Um, <laughs> You know, like, is that why? Is because did we have some nitrogen leaching with the rainfall early on and then to come back through and give it a shot at the right time there in June was the difference? Or did was it just it kind of... It can be. Um, it just kind of depends. You know, you don't ever want the corn to be short. So some of it, it can get from the soil. Um, in 2015, a lot of the anhydrous ammonia was still there. Not a lot of it had converted 
in a lot of fields. Um, whereas this year, I think they're showing um, some of the tests the universities have done has shown that about 75% of it's already converted to the nitrate. So that may be a difference in the two years. But you can take soil tests and you can send them to the lab and you can get find out how much nitrate you have and how much ammonium. Um, another thing that we have our growers do is we have them put a hot streak in. And then if you can visually see a difference, you know whether or not some of it is short and you need to get get it on quicker. Hold on. Um, what the hell is a hot streak? So you would just, as you put your nitrogen on through the field, one pass, you'd just um, double, basically. Oh, okay. I just... And so then that you way have... you can visually see whether or not your, uh, the rest of it is short because you'll see a color difference. So if you've pre-planted your anhydrous and we have this rain like we have and it has converted, um, you can go back in and side dress that same field. Is that? Yes, you can. Yes. Okay. Right now we're a little bit too early to decide if we need to put on more nitrogen. Um, right. But yeah, if you notice once we get going here, yeah, you can still side dress. And if you can also wide drop, like Angie had said, you can do either one to put on your, to put I'm on not, more I'm nitrogen where you need it. I'm not allowed to touch the anhydrous ammonia around here. I get to drag tanks, but I don't get to. Uh... I wouldn't want to touch it. It's... Yeah, I wouldn't either. <laughs> That's right. I'm not a, I don't know. It's, it's, uh... but in Michigan with our anhydrous, like anhydrous is, is harder to find in Michigan now because apparently we have a higher concentration of meth heads than they do out here uh... in Northern Iowa. Cause you'll still drive by and see like a tank sitting in the field. If that happened in, Michigan at any point in time it would be like a scene from the walking dead with the walkers like they just I had like you know the first walking dead when they ate the horse that would be what it would look like like it would just we we have that problem we have that problem around home I have some growers around the Des Moines area the guy parked the anhydrous tanks by his house so he has a house and hog barns and everything that are away from the road on a gravel you know that are on a gravel road but everything is away from the road and he came out one morning and found a kitchen knife stuck in the anhydrous hose and a pair of underwear underneath it right outside his house <laughs> wow. what, what, what did why the underwear no one knows it's one of those big mysteries but yeah and that was up by his house jeez so, so soil test you're basically right now you can't do anything anyway Right, because right. it's too wet to get out there. So. Yeah. Now, uh, okay, I don't even want to say it, but there is frost in the forecast in some parts of the eastern Corn Belt here. Um, the other F word. Yeah, my least favorite F word. Are you going to bleep frost? I should. <laughs> I, I think that would be hysterical. That's why I'll bleep it. We'll say frost. So... <laughs> Um, what does that mean? I mean, that's, I, I was talking to a, a weather person earlier today and, and they were telling me about that, that they were concerned about the frost. And I said, now chill out. Um, I, it's, you, you don't kill necessarily kill the plant, right? I mean, if you have to be, how far up does it have to be emerged? And, you know, what does that, what, what, takes? well, it depends on what plant you're talking about. Corn. So corn, the growing point stays below the ground until about, as it comes out of E5, E6. Okay. Uh, soybeans are, as soon as the cotyledons come out, are exposed. What's that? What's a cotyledons? Did I say it right? So, yeah, cotyledon. So okay. if you open a soybean seed, you know, there's like two halves to it. 
Okay. Well, those two halves come out of the soil and form the cotyledons. So they're not, they're like the seed leaves, but they're not like the first true leaves, which would be the unifoliate. Okay. But if those seed leaves are damaged, then the soybean can't come back from the frost. Whereas corn, it can lose the leaf tissue it has above ground, and it can still come back from underneath the ground because the growing point's still down there. Okay, so corn will just get nipped off. Uh, Soybeans. As long as it's before a V5, V6, right. Okay, soybeans are dead. Now, what about wheat, yo? Um, I know you're not the big wheat ex- expert. You said you guys don't. Apparently, you guys have found religion in your neck of the woods and you don't really grow wheat. But there's a, a real concern there because as far north, Jen, how far would, north would you say your the wheat crops headed out in your neck of the woods? I couldn't begin to say our, ours, ours right in central Indiana is uh, our particular crop is headed out. Kind of depends on, obviously, when you planted it. We uh, like to plant as close to October 5th as possible. Okay. Um, Now, uh, based on um, the USDA report that we got out again on Sunday night here, uh, 42% of the wheat crop is headed, which is actually well ahead of last year's 34%, or excuse me, the five-year average of 34%, and last year's 32%. So in Illinois, Illinois is 67% headed. Indiana is 32%. Missouri is 76%, but it's not supposed to get cold that far south. Um, but there is a ton of rain. Um, so that's the one thing that I haven't really heard a whole lot about is the current weather on the wheat crop and, and the impact that it could have. How cold are you supposed to get, Jen? Are you, they're not talking frost in your forecast, are they? Yeah, Monday. Oh, I say they were talking about it here in central Illinois, yeah. so... Yeah, Indiana's. They are talking frost in Central Indiana on, I think Monday. I think okay. we have a front moving in this weekend, and a possibility of frost on Monday. Well, that sucks. Pretty much. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't know, Karen. You're going to have to tell me. I love wheat, but I'm not. I don't know anything about it. What, what will that do to our wheat that's headed out? I am not a wheat expert, but if it, I mean, it depends on how much of a frost it is. I mean, if we're down to 28 and it's a hard frost, but if you have some light cloud cover, I mean, that's going to make it, that's going to insulate it some too and not make it as bad. So it's hard to say. I mean, I'm, I know nothing about wheat and I'm not going to pretend to, but just as a plant in general, um, it could cause some issues. I mean, I would think that it would definitely ding the yield. Yeah, there's some real concern. I mean, most of the time, anytime we've seen frost, I w- I've never had frost happen on a headed crop, though. So I I couldn't tell you. I do know that we saw one in Kansas before the heavy snow. And uh, so was that where what stage was that weed in in Kansas? A lot of that was headed out. The snow was the weight of the snow that killed it, not the well, yeah, the cold. The cold happened yeah. Friday. Though the snow happened Saturday, Sunday, so they okay, got, but wasn't it the weight that snapped the stems? Yeah, and that's what a real out. concern about that too. And so, there, I mean, a lot of people act like nothing is wrong with with that wheat crop down there, but that, like I said, they experienced frost Thursday into Friday. Uh, I think they had three or four days where they got down below freezing, and then they had all of the snowfall as well. And the okay. snowfall was the weight. I mean, I. I, I don't how this market's overlooking this, you know, I, I don't know if the, the crop tour is not helping because they're actually just driving by fields that are covered in snow instead of going out and evaluating them. 
which I, I don't think makes much sense. So right now you're seeing a lot of really high yield estimates, you know, very limited reductions in production coming out. But people are also saying, okay, well, we're down 50 to 100 samples because we're driving past the fields that are still, you know, still have inches of snow on them, which to me is is kind of given us a false outlook and, and maybe given the market an indication that it shouldn't need to do anything because the concern isn't as deep as what it was on, on well, Monday. I know there was some some high bushels out there before the snow, but, you know, most of those fields, I mean, if you took, checked them in the right spot, they would still show they had high yields. Yeah. But, you know, if 70% of them snapped off, then your whole field average is going to drop fairly significantly pretty quick. Well, not to mention, I mean, harvest time abandonment is is likely to be huge, so a, there's all of these things, and, and that's if we do get a frost and, and hit 28 degrees and, and are there for over two hours throughout Indiana, Illinois, Ohio, and Michigan, um, you're going to see, even if it doesn't kill kill the field itself, it, it is very much going to damage or limit yield potential. So, you know, I, I think that's a big thing, too. And, and I sit here right now as we record, wheat's down 15. And, and, you know, the only thing that I can say is is that the outside metal collapse that we're seeing going on with gold, copper, and silver, it must be more important than what we're seeing weather-wise. Because weather, to me right now, um, is is far more bullish for, for market prices than the market is indicating. But maybe I'm drunk and I just don't know it. Wouldn't that be nice to be drunk and not know? Um, so what? So what happened to the markets, Angie? When when this rain—not just rain, this disaster—not even disaster. This this thing was predicted. Did something happen before? And how fast does it react? And what has it done to the market since? Well, obviously nothing. I mean, we had a big reaction on Monday. Um, and I think a lot of that was more because we saw Kansas City weed up 28, Chicago weed up 21, um, you know, and, and we really started to discuss the issues at hand, which are, are still there, um, you know. But then on Tuesday, all of a sudden, we started to hear more people who have been bearish this market all along come out with their continuation of their bearish narratives. You know, all oh, global wheat stocks are high, uh, you know, everywhere else looks good, which is funny because it really kind of doesn't. But um, you know, all of these things. And, and, you know, a lot of folks are saying, well, corn crop came in higher than expected on plantings at 34% versus expectations of 28, you know, and, and that it really wet weather events don't get traded, you know, blah, blah, blah. So the, the market's just so damn bearish that it can't even see straight right now. And the people that are in charge of the direction that it trades have never planted a crop in their life. So they really have no clue. You know, it goes back to the thing our- that gets me. With the 34% that's planted, that's also the area that's completely flooded. Exactly. Yeah. That's that's the, the main thing. I mean, you look at um, planting progress where the bulk of progress took place last week, um, and it was Illinois um, is, a, is a well ahead. Southern of, Illinois. And that's, I'm just saying, state-wise, from what the USDA yeah. releases, which is what traders look at, um, you know, Illinois is in line with a year ago. It's well ahead of the, the five-year average. Um, uh, Indiana is ahead of where they were a year ago. Iowa is behind, but Iowa's weather is supposed to dry out. So you're exactly right, is, is the areas that had significant planting progress take place are the areas that are now 
inundated with with rain and are experiencing flooding where Iowa will probably get caught up not this week I mean they'll there'll be some activity over the weekend it's it's Thursday and I have a tractor uh, running across the road now but we've been drier I mean you look at any map and and northern um, north mm-hmm. central and uh, Iowa to the west you know we've only gotten an inch and a half in the last two weeks only well you know, I'm out here in Ames, and uh, Casey and I went for a drive yesterday, and I don't recall there were some areas that were just you could tell by looking at the fields were saturated, and some areas that weren't. But we didn't. I mean, we didn't cover a huge area, but we saw no crop up. No, there's nothing up. We, like I said, we drove from northern Iowa to to northern Missouri, and the first field we saw, the only field we saw that we could actually row and and say, okay, corn was planted there, was in northern Missouri. And that was it. That was you were, one. Yeah. You were saying that, um, you know, the guys that are guys and gals, not to offend anyone. Right. Um, I always say guys. I have and people not, are like, it's guys and gals. I'm like, right. we're all guys, man. We're all guys. We're it's, guys. it's the guys. Hey. Yeah. You know, have have never planted a crop. Do traders feel like farmers have cried wolf one too many times? Yes. Yeah. I mean, it's easy to look back to 2015. And and we had that. We just talked about it. Um where the huge difference in 2015 was temperatures. I mean, we were much, much warmer. I, I retweeted a, a picture of the comparison of, of temperatures experienced in April, May of, of 2015 versus this year. But all of a sudden, the last week of June in 2015, everyone was discussing, I mean, of course, it helped that we had a surprise in the, the USDA um, stocks and acreage report, but, um, or a, oh, that's a, a whole other one, but it's a whole, you know, but everyone, yes. um, Everyone that year started to talk 1993 um, and how horrible it was and and this, that, and the other thing. Well, we dried up. And so in 2015, the huge difference was, like I said, we had a lot of the crop emerged, things like that. So, um, and Karen, correct me if I'm wrong, you know, if the crops emerged and the water is ponding in in low spots, but the crop's there and it's, it's sitting in warm, wet soils, you know, the bulk of the crop is is really reaching maximum yield potential whereas this year without us being planted in the in the crop the fields being saturated and and the likelihood of continued delays taking place it's a very different thing but to look back at 2015 and even uh 2014 i think was another year where we were a little bit more damp you know everyone said how we weren't going to have a crop and now everyone's of the mindset, you know, rain makes grain, which every time I hear that, I want to take a shot of tequila. But everyone says, you know, oh, well, rain makes grain. And which is probably would if, you know, the corn crop that was planted, you know, if we had more than 34% planted for one, and if the crop that was planted wasn't sitting in, you know, 40, 50 degree soil temperatures. Am I, I wrong? And I mean, that has to mean I something. Think the- the important thing to remember is our bumper yields are when we are slightly dry. Yeah. So, um, so yes, the wetness, the wet feet, you know, that works on the crop and brings the yields down. So depending on how long this stays, I mean, the worst thing that could happen after all this rain is for us to dry off and get hot because that's just going to bake the soil and it's going to bake gonna the crust. It, yeah. It's going to crust and it's going to make it an oven underneath there. So, I mean, there's a lot that can happen, but I mean, we're we're just barely getting started here. (laughs) Yeah. Right. We were talking about supply. I mean, let's, let's be honest. We're a pretty dependable supplier. I mean, we talk about crying wolf. We, 
there are very few years that there isn't some. Oh, I can tell you. Is there any years that that we don't produce enough? Well, if you look at the areas of importance, I mean, you're dry north of Highway 20 in Iowa, yep. and that's huge. Yep. You know, that's more important than the fact that it's flooding in the southern tip of Illinois. Sorry to say, but I mean, it's true. I mean, as far as looking where the majority of corn is going to come from, it's going to come from Iowa. And you're even you're dry north of 30. So that, you know, that puts in a whole nother area to play, too. So where um, would you say you're dry in Illinois in parts? I mean, in the northern part is where's the rainfall in Illinois? Is there... The northwest part isn't as bad, but it's still cold, and there hasn't been stuff, a lot of stuff planted there yet. So, okay. And the last two years, the yields coming out of that northwest corner of Illinois have been pretty big. Okay. So that's mattered. Now, how about uh, what you're looking at on like herbicides? Herb. Herbicides and agriculture. I say herbicides. Do you say herbicides? Do you say fungicide or fungicide? I say fungicide. Okay. That blew my mind. Whatever. I am an English major and it doesn't make sense to say fungicide or herbicide, but you went in Rome. And so I go with it. I'm not saying I'm correct. I'm just saying that's how I say it. Well, that's how I say it. And that's because I don't know. But okay. So herbicides and cold, wet soils. Um, what is going on with that? Have, do you have a lot of people used? I mean, I've seen what looked like some burn down applied to a few different fields, and it didn't necessarily look like it was working all that well. Um, well, with the burn down, I mean, that's going to depend on how fast the plants are growing. So it's, particularly if they sprayed, you know, Roundup, it's going to take a while for that to work, and it's going to take longer for it to work in colder temperatures. Um, where we're seeing the issues are with the residual soil, residual herbicides. And basically the plants, you know, they're taking up the cold water and they're not met- being, they're not able to metabolize the, the herbicide and spit it back out, I guess is a good way to put it. But, um, but in saying that, I mean, that's just one factor. I had a, one of my growers sent me a picture yesterday and he thought his seed treatment and his pre-plant herbicide were working against him. And I said, well, yeah, it is. But what actually killed that plant was the pythium that you see underneath there. And he was like, oh, like he hadn't even noticed that part. And I was like, so there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of little things working on as a whole. And they're kind of, um, I don't know, what's the word? They're being synergistic to the negative, I guess. Um, but they're compounding, the effects of each problem are compounding. So, yeah, so we had issues with the residual herbicides, but then the seed treatments, depending on which one you used, um, can aggravate that. And on top of it, if it has a seedling disease, then neither one of those matter. So it was the seedling disease that took it out. So the people are going to have to really look at their stands and try and figure out what it was that actually took out their stand. Okay. So that makes sense. So you can lose your stand... Um, because of herbicides or no, is that you, you can't, we've had some issues with some of the PPO herbicides that were sprayed pre-emerge in the past. Um, and then cold, wet conditions that have taken out some stand. Um, but like I said, you know, he sent that to me saying that was his problem and yeah, that was one of his problems, but what really killed the stand was the seedling disease. So Oh, it's going to take some investigation for each field, but there's going to be some fields that are going to need replanted, even though they did come up. So, and then obviously the market's counting that yield twice. 
So that's <laughs> double production in the market's mind. It's above my pay grade. God, so. this thing me off. I'm going to tell you that much. Um, What are you going to do? How is it? I mean, I'm, it's not the best start, but I mean, it's not. I mean, we, we don't have a complete failure yet. I mean, we still have time to turn it around and fix it. When does time run out in your mind? It depends on what you're planting and where you're at. But, you know, your corn yields as you go through May tend to drop off. I mean, usually mid-May, you're still doing fairly good. But then there's always the exception. So in a lot of places last year, the late planted, planted May corn was the best. So, I mean, you, you we're not going to know until October. we start combining. But, well, that's, you know, once you hit June 1st, I think you can you can definitely look at, you know, smaller yields as far as corn and even beans um so now jen what's it like on the camp campbell ranch there you've you're in ames obviously so it must be very much fun being away yeah while chris loads hogs by himself yeah yeah that's uh chris is loading hogs and jen is drinking mimosas on the quad with frat boys all right my way so what i mean what are you guys thinking are you are you are you worried yet are you not worried i mean have you seen anything like this before because i know like the farmer in kansas with the snow that they're seeing a lot of them are saying that the last time they can remember anything like this happening was in like 1978 where i know it's a lot more recent for you guys probably in in indiana and illinois to have seen a start like this because it's spring but what are you seeing you know so chris's dad gets out every morning and drives around every field and, and, you know, but, um, you know, we've planted corn on June 17th and replanted corn on June 24th. I think that it just, it just comes down to the weather and, and how you feel about your ground and, and what's going on. Um, I don't know. It's hard to say. It's so hard to speak for anybody else. And and I don't want to, um, it's hard to speculate like, about what's going to happen here too in the next couple of weeks. It's yeah, you don't never know. I mean, and you know, you said it's it's very personal, and but it's very localized. Um, you know, I can take what we're doing very personal because it's personal to us. It may not be affecting the market because it's not personal to them. Well, and that's true. Um, the market anymore. And and Darren Newsom said it best. You know, the market is not emotional where we are. And that's what I said, you know, I'm emotionally invested in this thing and I look at it and, and, you know, like what the hell, man. Um, Uh, I I think at this point too, you have to, you have to take into consideration your crop insurance options. And I mean, there's so much to take into account when you're making these decisions that. Well, with um, the crop insurance too, it's better to have tried to have planted than to end up taking a preventative plant. So, I mean, you have to look at those kind of things too. Not that you should mud in a crop before a cold rain just to make sure you have insurance, but, you know, I don't know. I think everyone just kind of needs, I mean, everyone knows their own land. They know their risks. They know their own financial situation. You know, they know what their average yields are based on when they plant and what their conditions are, that they just need to each do what's best for their own operation. And that may not be the same between neighbors or across states and whatnot. So exactly. And I think then I'm going to bring up the tweet that kind of got this whole ball rolling, the replant 17 hashtag. Um, You know, that's that's very personal and, and it attracts attention. And I'm not sure. I don't know. And then I go into weather accounts and, and is that, you know, when somebody 
flashes that hashtag around, are we are we trying to attract attention and, and is it the right way to do it? Does that is that the same thing as fear mongering or, you know, labeling on food? Well yeah. To a farmer. It goes I don't know. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know what you mean because it's it's one of those things. I think it was too early to give up and assume we have to replant. There's so many factors that go into that, you know. Yeah, we got a lot of rain. In a lot of places, it didn't come down all at once. You know, there's been a lot of tile put in when that corn was five to seven bucks. Yeah. So that makes a big difference in how fast that water comes off the field. And there's just so many factors that, I don't know, jumping to replant that fast seemed, I don't know, seemed like they were giving up to me. (laughs) Yeah. But I didn't see a lot of farmers doing that. Yeah. I mean, it, it wasn't just, don't get me wrong, it wasn't just weather, guys. It was, I mean, it just... It, it it was attract attention attracting. Um, you see that and, and it it sends a you know makes you rethink twice, panic mode, something. Yeah. I mean it's there for attention grabbing. Yeah. It, it yeah. And um, I think there were a lot of conversations that were had about that and, and you know, I, I think to a certain extent it was a little bit ruined last year when we had a certain weather group calling for 650 corn, you know, and we kind of talked about having this conversation be about staying in your own lane. But, you know, when it comes down to it, farmers drive every lane of the road. You know what I mean? You guys are. Right. are and, and I think you can I think you can cross lanes. Don't get me wrong. Just watch for traffic, obviously. Well, and it's the weather is like the market to me, like call being a market right. a market analyst. You know what I mean, or or calling for price direction or something like that. You can have every single sign point that something should happen in one direction or the other, and still have it not turn out. You know, to me, every single well, sign it's, points it's, that the market should be up seven, not down seven, and here we are. You could, you could, yeah, you could easily predict fifty percent chance of rain every day of April. I should I mean fifty and start charging I mean, for it. Right. I think I'm going to get a weather rock. It's probably just as accurate. You should. If it's wet, it's rain. It's If it's wet, it's raining. If it's dry. If it's moving, it's windy. Out here, you know. it'd always be moving. Always. Um. So, you know, to wrap this conversation up, you know, what can, can someone do? I always tell my guys after a really heavy rain to drive, to leave for three days. Or after a really <laughs> market trade to leave for three days and come back. But... Uh, well, there is dry in the forecast for the next eight days. Well, the eight days after the sixth. Uh, so really, when it comes down to it, we just have to wait and see what's going to happen. And it may take a while to realize. And I keep saying Mother's Day, you know, after Mother's Day is when the concern arises. But you brought up a good point with last year, the corn that got planted after Mother's Day was actually better. So God knows. I guess we will get a crystal ball. I'll get I'll get to working on that. I'll call Miss Cleo when we hang up and let everyone know what she says. So maybe maybe we need to just plant Prozac everywhere and hope Mother Nature sucks it up. It's <laughs> a great idea. On that note, uh, we'll wrap it up and call it a call it a week. And and you know we really appreciate you guys listening. We definitely open welcome your your feedback. Tell us what you're thinking, what you're seeing in your neck of the woods, and what you think that'll mean for you. You know, as we roll ahead, and and uh, we will be back next week with another uh, goosebump inducing conversation.